those synapses are hard-coded. And the only way to get over that is to analyze that, figure out where that belief came from, and focusing on that uh, with repetition to counteract the, the shortcut of our brain already thinking that. What is keeping you here? Because you're because in some ways, it's like we're deciding to be here. I'm deciding to be in this situation. I brought myself to this point. How, do, how did I get myself here rather than blaming others? If, you, if you're in that loop and, and you just need to get broken out, to get into that good place, and once you're in the good place, you can sort of advocate for yourself. But how do you get into that place to begin with? We, we have to be accountable. You may not be able to change your boss or change your teammate or change the project, but sometimes you just have to change yourself, change your outlook. You want to get off that path and get to the learner path and basically say, okay, there's pain here. Where is it coming from? What do I need to learn over here? You have three choices in any situation, no matter what it is. You can either accept it, you can either change it, or you can leave. How do we hack our own minds? If only there was a command line for our psyche. We could easily log in as the administrator and change the way in which we behave with the same ease that we can configure any computer system. But we're a little more complex than that with an equally complex user interface. But there are tools we can use. There are websites, books, blogs, and videos all devoted to all the ways in which we can take more control and move in the direction we want to go. But despite all these resources, there's still no silver bullet, no magic pill we can take to get there without effort. The truth is, any lasting change, any real transformation takes effort. Effort and time. So tech villagers, are you ready to see if you want to put in the time and the energy to hack your own mind for success? Well then, let's get the conversation started. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Village Podcast. I'm meeting Porter De Leon at Porter De Leon on the Twitter. Got here with me, uh, Lauren Malhoit at Malhoit and Matt Oswalt. Matt, I, you know, I'm trying to, I struggle with your Twitter handle too. What, what is, what is that all about? What is your... <laughs> Yeah, so the the story there is I was looking for, uh, man, I must have been probably 16. Uh, I was really young. Uh, I was uh, maybe probably even younger than that. And uh, I was in some online game, and I was really into um, the, uh, the, the, the Knights of the Round Table and whatnot. And uh, I wanted to go for the Old English spelling or the Welsh spelling of... Um, of Merlin, which is Mirden, uh, which is a bunch of, a bunch of Ys and Ds next to each other, and it was taken. So I kind of just screwed with it, <laughs> like <laughs> just and, like a Silicon it, Valley startup company. You spelled something wrong, and then started. yeah, pretty much. Except that most Silicon Valley star- <laughs> companies don't come up with a name that's eerily similar to the Spanish word for shit. So um, <laughs> I kind of I kind of screwed up in that regard. But you know what? I'll I'll own it, and obviously I have because I kept it for like you know over a decade. Oh, it's fantastic. So it's uh, it's. It's at what M E R M I E R D I N. Okay, M E I R D I N. Okay, all right. It fantastic. literally just means what I just told you. There's no hidden <laughs> meaning there. There's no deep meaning. I'm sorry if everybody thought that I was like this super deep person with this like super secret name. Nope, just pretty much accidentally came up with the Spanish word for shit. Ah, well, they can't get any more generic than my Twitter handle. Okay, <laughs> does it get? Does it get? Uh, but Lauren, Lauren, you got a unique one as well, don't you? Uh, well, I mean, if you consider my last name to be unique, but yeah, um, I guess when I chose my Twitter handle, um, you know, it's basically uh, trying to remain 
I guess I'll say like without gender, um, you know, just at Malhoy and, you know, 2007 and you, you, uh, you, you do things just to, uh, see what works and yeah you know just i was in you know a lot of people are like do the male height and i'm like that's ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) there's so many ridiculous ideas out there uh just don't don't put a v on it don't put a v Mm -hmm. on it um yeah and mine it was just i was well i mean i didn't even know what what is this twitter thing what is this thing and so i'm like at my last name sure why not uh and then all of a sudden you know i get years in and people have all this like creative stuff like comms ninja or disco posse and i'm like Maybe I should have thought of something more interesting, but you know. Well, you have so many last names, though. It's probably hard to change. I do have lots. Databases love my name. Three <laughs> words: Porter Space, D Space, Leon. Oh my God, accent mark. Oh, I have so many, so many databases to spit it back out, saying, you know, this is not a valid last name. I'm like, you're not a valid database. <laughs> anyway, rant end. All right. uh, We're not here to talk about Twitter and last names. We're here to talk about mind hacking, getting yourself out of your own way. And to do that, we actually have a fabulous guest who is going to be helping us talk about this particular subject. And so uh, Iris Poulet, am I getting that name right? Because I I practiced beforehand. Iris Pollitt, close. Pollitt, see, <laughs> Pollitt, like political, but without the end of that political, like Oswald. I did it right before we recorded everyone, just so you know. <laughs> but uh, but once we started recording, apparently I, I forgot how to do it. So Iris, um, welcome to the Tech Village podcast. Um, so glad you could be on. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself so they kind of have an idea of what you do and what your passion is. Sure. Well, thank you, Dean and Lauren, uh, for the invite. And thank you, Matt, for dropping the, the first S-bomb so I, I could feel free to be me. Uh, oh, yes. There you go. We talk over each other. I do click the little box that says explicit language. So you Fantastic. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I am, I guess, what the kids nowadays call a corpreneur. I have one foot in the corporate world doing tech marketing and one foot in the entrepreneurial world uh, running Your Success Ace. Um, It's a a boutique uh, consulting and coaching agency that helps people through career transitions. And um, I love it. I love tech and I love marketing and I love positive psychology because they all enable transformation and innovation. And that's the best part of it all. Iris, before we started, you were talking about, you know, that whole idea of a, a corpreneur and the fact that you can choose your clients. If you don't like people, you're not going to work with them. I, I just love that you said that. I, I think that's a fantastic way to go about life. Love that. Just to tell your client you're fired. <laughs> well, okay. So let, let's let's not be too Machiavellish about this. About, I, I look at it from the perspective of freedom to do a lot more pro bono work. Um, I think especially when you consider how how much our work life really um, has an impact on our sense of thriving, right? And and how many of us are not really doing well there? I think only like 34% of Americans are, are fully engaged in their work from latest you know, Gallup studies. Um, so anything I could do to, to help with that um, is fantastic. And the fact that I have my, my corporate salary that pays for my lifestyle, love my golden handcuffs, <laughs> uh, allows me to do more of that, of sharing the knowledge, like sitting here with you guys. And one of the things that fascinates me about this is because it, I think a lot of people don't focus enough attention on 
how they're building all these different habits and all these different psychological barriers that stop them from doing what they're supposed to be doing. And digging into this a little bit too, especially having you on as a guest, it was great to sort of you know dig into this a lot more and really do some thinking about this topic. A lot of people actually, it's not just they have these barriers or excuses. It's actually, they build their whole identity around some, you know, some constraint or around something in the past that's happened that's prevented them for, or they feel have prevented them from doing something. And now their identity is built around, well, I am this, or I am, you know, I am, you know, disadvantaged or I am and then And there's just, and so it's like, it's almost like you're getting them to, to step out of who they even think that they are because they've tied their, their identity, their value to all these different things that really they shouldn't be. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, look, the, the reality is, is that our frontal lobe, and let me dork out on some neuroscience. All right, we're getting we're getting deep here. This is good. <laughs> I, I promise to keep it very very high level, and then translate it back to to techie language. Um, so our frontal lobe is is really the where all the components of our neural circuitry where it lives, our executive functions, right? And that piece of of our brain doesn't get fully developed until the age of twenty five. Um, it, it starts sort of developing a little bit more in our teenage years. That's why we start questioning things and we're such jerks at, at that point. But Hold on. I was making stellar decisions when I was 21. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sure you were, man. <laughs> uh, choosing Mierda as your Twitter handle. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but getting back to this. So, like, when it first starts to develop, um, like, for example, our brain quadruples in size, to approximately 90% of its adult volume around age of six. So everything that our brain comes in contact with at age five, six, seven, up until like 10, it takes as valid truths. It doesn't question it. So we get all this programming that gets, you know, uh, just sits on our hard drive, if you will, that we never question. And then as adults, it, it impacts our behavior, it impacts our way of thinking. And, and, and it really is disruptive um, in, in the way that, that we're able to thrive. I, I know there's just a level of sort of what I, I look at as kind of insanity. And I know it's kind of an extreme word, but it is it's sort of this idea that, you know, uh, that, you know, it's getting us in our own way or just f- focusing ourselves or tying ourselves to the wrong thing. And so we yep. continue on these paths and saying like, you know, you know, in, in, instead of like sort of, in, especially to like focusing on what we're doing now, like one great example is like, it's being present, focusing on what we're doing now rather than constantly thinking like, oh, like if only this happened and that happened and that happened in the future, then I would be okay. Or then I would be happy. Or then I would, and then you're, you're spending all your time, you know, imagining this high, you know, hypothetical rather than actually building the pieces in, in process and step to actually building a future. And some people think, well, no, I'm, I'm imagining, I'm visioning the future and projecting. I'm like, it's like, visualizing there's a difference between visualizing and planning and then wishing and daydreaming yeah and not actually and just always thinking about that and hoping rather than actually focusing on now and saying okay uh and sometimes there's things that you that are positive that you don't even know are going to be affecting the future like you know when i started podcasting i wasn't sure what where even that was even going to go when i started on social media but you sort of you know sort of what you know what you want to do or what you or how you want to get yourself out there uh and it and it gets you out of that sort of instead of that thinking and, and hypothetical, you know, visioning, it gets you into a mode of actually doing. Oh, I just did to jump on that for a second. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're basically walking around with a caveman brain in a modern world and our caveman brain is designed to, to protect us and keep us alive. So anytime it's actually time to take action, it says, no, 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 there's a saber tooth tiger out there and you're going to die. 
and and we need to to hack our brain to be able to to talk back to it. Yeah, I know fear is a big thing. I always worry about saber tooth tigers, saber tooth tigers, <laughs> and uh, ninjas. Those are my two yes. top worries right now. Yeah, sorry, Lauren, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. It, it brings up uh, you know a question then. So, I mean when you're talking to clients and things like that, do you recommend they just go do something or do you recommend self-reflection to change patterns first and then making, you know, kind of an informed decision about doing something? So, so both. Um, first, I remind them that they're a well-oiled machine. They're a freaking Ferrari and they shouldn't give their five-year-old self the keys to that Ferrari until they at least teach them how to drive. Right. So for looking at, um, brain hacking and, and the simplest sort of ways to do it is we need to look at it as if we're upgrading our OS, right? So, so now we're going to talk some techie language, right? We need to rewire our brain and just as if we would reprogram a computer, right? And it comes down to improving our mental habits. It comes down to uh, paying more attention to the programs that we have running in the background. Um, and it all starts with analysis. So, so the first point of strategy that I would give your audience is analyzing, you know, view your mind objectively, but don't get caught in the content. Like we need to become aware of our thoughts and realize that we're not our thoughts. You know, um, if we look at how much stuff is coming at us every day, um, I think last time I I looked at some, you know, estimates, it was something like 105,000 words each day are either we either read them or hear them. And after we lay on top of that, you know, images and videos and, you know, games, if you're a gamer, we're reaching a volume of 34 gigabytes of information per day that is bombarding our brain. So the way our brain protects us from that is through heuristics. So it's all these little shortcuts that helps us solve problems. Um, and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're they're not so optimal. You know, sometimes they're very rational, uh, but sometimes because they need to be like just the, the bare minimum of sufficiency, sometimes it um, that trial and error or that rule of thumb or that educated guess that, that we um, are thinking we're going with are actually based on these brain biases and all these shortcuts that, that our brain is in there that are not necessarily always, you know, the best practice for us. Yeah, you mentioned shortcuts, and that's really interesting. I want to dive into that. I It reminds me of, uh, you know, I had a severe fear of flying, and so, you know, with therapy and, and lots of drugs. Uh, oh, the best hoping. way to do everything. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I used to do is I would ride as a passenger in cars, and I would just imagine, I'd close my eyes and imagine I was on a plane, and any bump was, you know, turbulence. And I would imagine my synapses firing in a different way to try and, you know, be more <laughs> calm. Is that the kind of shortcut you're talking about or you know what kind of shortcuts are you talking about so um that is not but i will get into that um in sort of like the next sort of strategy which is um imagining which is what you're referring to and by the way i want to hug you right now for even mentioning synapses firing it's it's one of my favorite things so what of the things that i was talking <laughs> podcast about here, hugging <laughs> exactly virtual podcast hugging um it's um being able to analyze our brain and realize that our brain matter maps to our thoughts, right? So for example, um, if we uh, grew up in a household where 
you know, there were money issues. And dad comes home every day and um, says, oh, money is the root of all evil. That has been ingrained into your subconscious. And it's like a six lane highway. Those synapses are hard coded. And the only way to get over that is to analyze that figure out where that belief came from, and then grab the machete, hack at the bushes, and create an exit to create a new highway, a new set of synapses, and focusing on that uh, with repetition to to counteract the, the shortcut of our brain already thinking that, no, all money is the, the root of all evil. Does that make sense? Yeah, so basically, we're just trying to undo everything our parents did to us. It's not always our parents. I mean, it could be a teacher. It could be, you know, a religious leader. I mean, we we can blame it on everyone. It's it's our responsibility, right? And and we could leverage. um, I compare it to um, like it's almost like practicing super user mode, right? Uh, We need to learn how to to interrupt our usual user mode, um, and that can really helply greatly help us you know, to, to take back that cognitive control, right? And just it, never give my mom the password. <laughs> That's right. Don't give root access, access. Don't give your mom root access. That's a problem. It's like for your whole life, it's your childhood, your parents have had root access to your system. And they're just like typing in sudo your homework. Change, change the password. Yes. No, I love my mom. Exactly I'm totally I mean, look, uh, since you have a technical audience, like I'm really excited because I could dork on it from a techie perspective. Yeah. It's debugging those mental loops, right? So... Our minds are a product of these thousands of repeated lessons and beliefs. Some are good, some are bad, some are true, some are false, some are accurate, and some are inaccurate. And we basically need to examine them and analyze them to basically say, okay, is this really true? Or is this like um, Vishen Lakhiani refers to them as rules, bullshit rules that have been ingrained in our subconscious that are, are controlling our lives. And we need to, the first step is always to analyze and say, okay, is this real or is this fake news, right? I'm so glad we're on this topic too. And I want to kind of start to bring it back to like Lauren was uh, was chatting about, I think before we even started recording, which was bring this back to sort of some sort of what, how can we start to, to wrangle our minds? And, and since this is a, a podcast about sort of using all this stuff for, you know, moving our careers forward too, so we can get out of our own way from a careers perspective, because there's a lot of, and there's a lot of thoughts and biases and things I think we've gotten into on the podcast before, but we haven't really, I think, mind hacked our way through it um, pointedly the way that we're doing right now. So some of the sort of like you're thinking about things that we've been sort of put upon us by, you know, education systems, you know, you know, the industrial education complex by parents, by, you know, by even mentors, even well, you know, people who are trying to, you know, do well by us and, but reinforcing sort of, you know, the, the negative biases that keep us from doing what we do. How do we start to unravel that as it, you know, as it pertains to moving our careers forward, let's say like, I want to, I want to become this, or I'm not happy with where I am right now at this company or this job or this task or this project. And we're, I mean, because I imagine the first step, Iris, and you can sort of start here. First step is sort of evaluating, well, well, what, what don't you like about this or what is keeping you here? Because you're, because in some ways it's like, we're deciding to be here. I deciding to be in this situation. I brought myself to this point. How do, how did I get myself here rather than blaming others? Is that how we should start? 
Yeah, and, um, absolutely. So you always start with the pain first. Um, and, you know, as they say, people don't change until the pain of remaining the same is more unbearable than the pain of changing. Uh, so the first step to debugging is look for the pain. And if you see pain at work, if you're seeing that you're having difficult at work, difficulties at work, you need to sort of take a look at that. And you need to take a look at it from the perspective of um, there's sort of these two modalities of the judger path and the learner path. And the judger path would be like, okay, work sucks. And it's this coworker that is driving me crazy. And it's, it's sort of like pointing the finger externally. Whereas you want to get off that path and get to the learner path and basically say, okay, there's pain here. Where is it coming from? What do I need to learn over here? And, and how can I um, start looking at things differently. And one of my favorite exercises here is like the worst case scenario, right? We all, we all love catastrophizing. And, um, when it comes to work, for example, you know, there's in the tech industry, there's annual reorgs, right? So you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, I'm definitely, definitely going to get laid off. And that it starts impacting your performance and creates the inevitable. Whereas instead, if you, you play around with this exercise of worst case scenario, you need to continually pull that thread until it gets to the completely absurd. So like, oh my God, I'm definitely getting laid off. Okay, but then what? Then um, that means I'm not going to be able to pay for my house. Okay, and then what? And then I'm going to live under a bridge. Okay, and then what? And then I'm going to be, you know, uh, become the plaything of homeless people, you know? And you need literally need to take it to the complete absurd to the point where you start laughing. And that unlocks a part of your brain that is like, okay, the saber-toothed tiger isn't really coming to get me. This is not realistic. How can I look at it differently? And I think if you approach your mind like that, almost like a hacker, right, with the curiosity and openness, you're able to observe it and, and imagine how you could use it differently. And that's, that sort of pulls us into the next strategy and the next step that Lauren alluded to that is really imagining and, and visualizing. So starting with, I think that's one of the things I've, I've found just throughout my, my meanderings is, is that people have really a hard time transforming that, that pain. It's, you know, and people do, I mean, they really have, you have three choices and I always like to sort of talk to people about this. I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast yet, but you have three choices in any situation, no matter what it is, you can either accept it, you can either change it or you can leave. And if you're not and the thing is, though, it's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. It's like, but most people aren't even, aren't choosing one of those. And that's where all the stress, the anxiety, the pain comes from, because you're not choosing one of those and like really choosing it. Like, oh, well, I accept it. It's like, no, you have to really accept it. Or you've changed it. It's okay. I want to change it. But that person doesn't change. It's like, no, you're not really changing. You have to actually choose one of those. And I think that's, from my perspective, the biggest issue that's created is that no one is making that conscious choice. They're sort of like, going through unconsciously and thinking that they're, you know, that they're on this path or thinking that thing they're being put upon and not actually making the choice of, okay, I accept this. I'm okay where I am. Or no, I, 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 I want to change it. So therefore I want to be here at this company or at this job or on this project, but I'm going to put these changes in effect. I'm not going to, you know, accept no for an answer. And if I do get no, then I'm not going to just fall back and, you know, and shrink back and do everything half-heartedly. I'm actually going to then go to the next step and say, okay, well, now that I can't change it, I don't want to accept it. So I'm going to leave. And then, and then taking yourself through that process and really consciously making those, those decisions and making those choices yeah. that this is what I'm going to do. You're absolutely right. And I think it's because we were all little control freaks on the inside. And that gives us sort of like the illusion of control. 
like like you said, I chose to be here. So so this is what I'm doing. And you sort of go through life with with the plan. Like this is my five-year plan. And you have on your little blinders so you're not able to see other opportunities that pop up. Whereas if you leverage this sort of um, second strategy of imagining and visualizing, it allows you to take off the blinders and all of a sudden see all the little coincidences and all the little like accidental bumping into someone that could take you to your next level in your career. Um, and it's first, the first part is sort of like letting go of, of that control and not being that much of a control freak about it and, and taking that step. You know, Iris, you, that brings me back to, you kind of alluded to, you know, the, the accountability part. We, we have to be accountable, um, can't keep pointing fingers. And, you know, Dean, you were talking about change. Um, you know, what I didn't hear was sometimes you just have to change yourself, change your outlook. Um, you know, you're not, you may not be able to change your boss or change your uh, teammates or, or change the project, but, you know, you can change your outlook too. So I'm curious, you know, that, that's something that I've been working on a lot this year. Um, just, Hey, wait, there's a pattern. I might be the common denominator. <laughs> I might be the problem. No, exactly, exactly, Lauren. Yeah, I mean, no, not possibility. No, look, you're you're absolutely right. I think it's very easy for us to believe that our mind can create our own internal reality, but to a large extent, like us controlling that internal reality and leveraging, you know, imagining and visualization can absolutely impact our external reality as well, you know? And in using our imagination, we can become happier and think more positively and create a much bigger and, and better reality for us. It's almost like creating our own reality distortion field type of thing, right? And, and I think it all starts with writing it down, like sit down and write down, you know, if I had... Uh, um, magical mood stone. How would I choose to feel all the time? You know, if I had... Can I get that on Amazon? That sounds... <laughs> I'm sure you could. You could buy anything on Amazon. I'm looking that up and, right now. Um, it's funny that you should mention Amazon because I think really writing it down and sort of drawing the line in the sand uh, is so a Jeff Bezos thing to do. I mean, he's notorious for you know, coming to his team and saying, I want people to be able to purchase something with one click. And they looked at him like he was nuts. I mean, now in, in the post Amazon world, we're like, of course you could purchase something with one click. But when he first requested it, that was something that was completely impossible. And until you really sit down and imagine, okay, what would it look like to ha- exist in a world where one click purchasing is possible? And it's sort of like, and as you sit here and, and you imagine, again, how would I like to feel? Like, uh, what would I have always like wanted to do? What kind of impact and contribution do I want to have on the world? Uh, what kind of things would I like to have? Like when I'm, you know, dead, what, what kind of things would I like people to say in my eulogy? You know, and you start with that and start visualizing that and allows you to construct these like positive thought loops that help you uh, I don't want to say reinvent reality, but it, in a way it is. You're, you're really bending reality to your will. 
I know that's okay. This is as woo as I'm going <laughs> to in, in this podcast, but, but it's 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 based on research. I mean, no. I favorite. This, I absolutely love this. I absolutely love this because perspective is in so incredibly powerful. And yeah. just saying that it's possible and looking at writing it down and saying, look, at this is how I want to, you know, I want to wake up, you know, and, and feel, you know, energized and excited about X, Y, Z project or whatever. And, but the thing though, I think there's a big difference between, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, I've written stuff down and it hasn't happened. Um, I just wanted to just pull on this thread a little bit, Iris, to, you know, these things that you're talking about, just so people understand, these are not letters to Santa. These are not things yes. that like, oh, it'd be really great if, if this showed up under my tree. This is something that is a reality that you can create that you have to think of right now and put into place every, with every single thing you do, with every habit you have, with every bias you have in your mind, and you have to move forward that way, not just, hey, it would be nice. Let me write some inspirational quotes on my wall. And by looking at them, therefore, magically, all of this thing is going to be better. It's like, it's not that at all. So I just wanted to sort of make sure that we ground all the listeners in that. When you're looking at this, this isn't writing it down is not like you're not going to mail it to Santa Claus in the North Pole, and then it's going to just come to you. There's a lot of yeah. hard work behind it. Yeah, because your brain knows when something is bullshit, right? And your brain <laughs> to, to call bullshit. Well, so, that not, and, and the thing is, like is the, not always, though. It's like people, when they're in their own way, they can't call bullshit on themselves. It's that, yeah. That's probably one of the hardest things to do. And look, this is one of my, my biggest sort of uh, criticism of um, when people write down affirmations. You know, if your affirmation is delusional, uh, like I am the smartest person on the face of the earth, your brain is sitting there going, yeah, that's cute, but, (laughs) you know, whereas if you start with, with that letter and start with the affirmations from a place of truth, from something that you believe and build from there. So when your negative thought loops pop up and when your brain is like, oh my God, you're, you're really not that smart. You're able to almost present a case, like as if you're, you're in a courtroom and say, no, 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 your honor, the evidence is to the contrary and be able to pull different things from your past and, and different pieces of evidence that are to the contrary to help you sort of create those new um, synapses and, and make them a lot stronger. So you're, you're become more positive. I'd love to hear some strategies that you that you might um, have in mind that that you that you found work really well for sort of getting out of your own head. Like if you if you're in that loop and and you just need to get broken out, it's like it's one thing to just you know to to think about the things that that um, you know to get to get into that good place. And once you're in the good place, you can sort of advocate for yourself. But how do you get into that place to begin with? Um, yeah, thanks for that that question, Matt. Uh, Matt. That is um, a great one because the reality is thinking big is a lot easier said than done, right? Um, and it it sort of requires, you know, reprogram to to create our best possible future. And that's sort of like strategy number three, that the reprogramming part. And and the key there is to to start by, um, as Yadin mentioned, writing it down. Um, I don't remember who said this, but I love this quote. If it's not on paper, it's vapor. Uh, and it's something that I remind myself of all the time. And if you sit down um, to write down, um, basically starting with, with that point of pain, right? Like, where is this pain coming from? Dig into it. And then how do I want to feel instead? Like, what kind of results do I want to see instead? And build actual goals around them. And it's not just creating, you know, everybody has heard about the SMART goals, you know, they need to be specific and measurable and time-bound and all all that fun stuff. But what are you then doing 
to make sure those goals are front and center every day. So our brain is fantastic and it focuses on what we tell it to focus on, whether we're conscious of it or not. So if we have a set of goals that we have written down and we rewrite them or revisit them every morning, even if we're not actively taking action on those goals every day, our brain is in the background scanning the horizon and looking for solutions to align us with that path. And yes, it does require making sure that we also build habits and routine to support those goals, right? We need all these like mini habits. So it's not just having the, it's important to have the big goals, but it's important also to support them with sort of smaller goals that create habits and routines for us to reinforce them. So is there ways, I think I like that the thread that Matt's pulling on, are there ways in which, you know, you looking at your goals to say, I'm like doing like, let's see, me personally, I do like a weekly review, say, okay, this is my, this is the things I'm going to tackle next week and try to be realistic about it. Um, is there a way that let's say I'm ha- inserting sort of bias and bad habits, even when I'm sort of setting out my tasks and my goals and what I'm going to accomplish for the week? And is there ways in which I can sort of look at sort of like sort of be the watcher you know and and look at myself and seeing what i'm doing and and the biases float by and the motions and the ego and all this other stuff that's kind of cluttering you know and getting in my way is there a way to step back from that you know when i'm writing those goals down or reviewing the tasks so that i can say to myself okay you're going back in these bad habits you're 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 you're, you're looking at this from a constraint point of view. You're looking at what's not possible rather than looking what is possible. Is, is, are there exercises or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, ways in which you can, you know, people can step out outside of themselves? Yeah. So uh, look, I think here repetition is key, right? So obviously step one is doing that initial analysis to try to figure out where you have limiting beliefs. Um, one of my, my favorite free resources, um, it's, um, called the personal values assessment. And I have all my clients take it. Um, It allows you to basically discover your top 10 values across several, seven levels of consciousness. So it's almost like Maslow's hierarchy. Um, And it also identifies if you have any limiting uh, beliefs. And then you could take that and put the lens of the workplace as it relates to it. Like which ones of these values I need honored in in a workplace. So once you do that and you do the analysis to sort of discover where your limiting beliefs are, uh, as you build out your goals and as you create that that repetition, it helps. Because again, it's like re-firing those those neurons to create those hard-coded synapses. So repetition is absolutely key. And it's just, it's the best like mind-altering tool. Um, an example here is um, Scott Adams, for example, the creator of Dilbert. He didn't believe in any of the woo stuff, had a very sort of normal existence. Um, but someone told him that if he wrote down his sort of high-level goal 15 times per day, it will help him achieve it. And, and, and I think with a lot of non-believers, um, doing that exercise at first is like, okay, what's the worst that I have to lose? Like one exercise that, that I do with my clients, especially ones that are post-reorg, I have them sit down and write their ideal job right. And all of them always find me on this. They're like, no, this is so dumb. I could just go online and see what job recs are available. I'm like, no, you first need to get really clear on what it is that you want. Um, and I can't even tell you how many clients have come back to me and said, oh my God, it's six months later and I'm, I'm in that role. That job rec that I wrote, 
like all of a sudden, like popped out of nowhere, and I'm in it now. Oh, uh, and that's, after and that's that. Life, I think that's so. Sorry, I wanted to just sort of yeah. pull that a little bit because I think that's really, really amazing, really powerful. Because I, and I don't think I think that you, we you cannot underscore that point enough that most people would just think that and you're probably listening to us right now you know those listeners out there listening to like yeah that's just silly i'm not gonna do that um but it really is because it does sound silly but it actually once you do that now all of a sudden your brain the i don't know if it's the reticular part of your brain the pattern matching looking and all of a sudden you start to see those bullet points those you know requirements those whatever those the pieces are that you what you wrote you start to see those in like your job search and you also you change your keyword alerts by it i can't i cannot emphasize that enough or recommend that enough so i'm thank you so much for mentioning that iris because that's it's super super powerful as far as just getting yourself looking in the right direction yeah and that, I mean, that's like for mainstream um, folks. Um, it, with the Scott Adams example, um, he actually started writing, I will become a syndicated cartoonist 15 times every day. And all of a sudden, all these different opportunities j- just started popping up. And um, and again, I look, I think that there's definitely some, some art and woo-woo-ness to it, but I think part of it is also the way our brain operates and the way our brain begins scanning and focusing on what we tell it to focus on. And I think um, a great way to, besides repetition, obviously, and sitting down every morning and writing out your your goals, I think it's really important to leverage mental uh, simulation, right? So maybe once a week, dedicate your meditation or your you know quiet time to thinking about all the possible problems that could potentially arise and how you will successfully overcome them on your way towards achieving your goal. And I think that second part is super, super important because again, our brain, the way it's wired, it doesn't know the difference between an actual memory and a visualized memory. So if we sit there and we visualize, okay, this potential problem could pop up and this is how I can resolve it successfully, your brain codes that almost as a memory. Um, it's, you know, another reason why I tell my clients before they go on an interview to visualize the interview and literally to, to your core, to like, you know, you're able to smell the room that you're in and, and see the people that are interviewing you and, and feel it and see it going successfully. See yourself being your best self and communicating your strengths in the best possible light. Because then when you do get in that chair, that, that anxiety is gone. Because you're like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. I, I got this in a bag. And it allows you to come across as a lot more confident. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because I always just thought I was crazy. but And maybe I am. But um, <laughs> I would literally have, have the conversation, have the interview in my head. Like, But I would speak out loud. I mean, alone in a room. But I would you know, imagine them asking me questions. And I would answer the questions out loud. Like, And it, it did help. It, it you know, kind of got everything flowing so that I could, you know, not stumble over my words like I am right now. Lauren, I need to make you my poster child and take you on the road with me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not as good in person. It's (laughs) (laughs) you're great. You're great on the internet TV though. Oh, well, thank you. You're very good. Uh, I like, but there, there's a couple different things in there, um, Iris, that I really think are key. One is that, you know, and this is just me too, um, and is that looking at or labeling things as problems. Um, and you mentioned, I know, and so people use sort of words in, in different ways and they have different means, but I think that's 
powerful to look at things as instead of problems as situations. And when you start to say, well, this is a problem, it's like, well, no, it's a situation. All of a sudden, a, a different part of your brain activates and you're okay, this is a situation. Situations have solutions. Problems in many people's minds are just like points of like, okay, now let me attach identity and worry and all this other sort yes. of you know, negative activity to. I would always suggest to people when they're looking at, oh, I have this problem. It's like, no, 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 it's, it's a situation. Like, what do you mean? No, it's a problem. It's like, no, it's a situation. Well, why, why are you turning into a problem? You know, a problem could be something that may even be just like you perceive as something totally out of your control. A situation is just a set of circumstances in which you can find a solution. Uh, everyone, everyone, you know, can sort of say, oh, this is my situation and, and, and I have different choices in here and then and look at it differently. And it just, like you said, we're mind hacking and we're looking at like, you know, oh, I have this problem because I don't have the certification or I don't have this level of experience. And all of a sudden you're just, you're seeing all these barriers and walls go up. It's like, like, well, no, this is my, this is my situation right now. These are all that. And then it, all of a sudden your brain turns and like, oh, here's all the positive things I have. Here's all the experience I do have. Here's all the certs I do have. Here's all the people I do know in my network. And now you're leveraging your strengths rather than just, you know, wrapping your head around all the things that you don't have. Now, not to say that you shouldn't go out and say, look at, hey, this is where I want to be and set goals and get certs and you build networks and all that stuff. But it's just a different way of perceiving the same set of, you know, circumstances, whether you're looking at the problems or whether you're looking at them as just your situation. Yeah. And I love what you said about strengths. That's um, another thing that, that I leverage with my clients is um, strength-based living. And um, another favorite assessment of mine is the VR Character Strengths Assessment. Um, it's free, it's online, and it's fantastic. It basically takes 24 um, character strengths and ranks them as to which ones are your top signature strengths and which ones are, you know, not. Um, but it allows you to really revisit stuff that you take for granted. I mean, 70% of us walk through life completely strength blind. We stuff that others consider, you know, our secret sauce and our magic, we, we take for granted. And to be able to see that on paper and to be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I do, you know, leverage gratitude and I lean on it when, you know, things get tough or I do have this specific, you know, leadership strength that, that I could lean on, um, allows you to look at the world a little differently. And, um, and, and that's what it comes down to. It's, it's being mindful of your mindset. I love, um, Carol DeWick, um, uh, who came up with the growth mindset concept, because it's really easy for us to fall into a fixed mindset where we're like, oh my God, you know, we just have a certain set of talents and that's what we're given. And I'm just not good enough to do this. Whereas with a growth mindset, you could say, oh, well, I could practice and I could learn how to do this better, or I can learn from somebody else's success um, and, and be very mindful of that. I was literally having this talk with my boss yesterday because it's, you know, time for reviews and all of that. Um, and, and she luckily is amazing and, and helps me come up with <laughs> my own strengths um, to talk to, you know, to her boss about it. Um, but there, it reminded me of there's a video by Carla Harris. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but um, she's got a, a presentation out on YouTube called the 10 Pearls or something like that. Um, and she goes on to say, you know, you have to think of the three things that you want people to think about you when you're not in the room. And she's like, she goes on, you know, in a more pragmatic way. So things happen when you're not in the room. Decisions are made about your career when you're not in the room. So you have to always be presenting these strengths um, every day, be very mindful of it. 
um, you know, pick pick what you're good at and, and, you know, what everyone else isn't good at, too. It can't always be the same as everyone else because then you're very replaceable, right? Um, so that, that, was, that really hit home for me when, when she said, people make decisions about your career when you're not in the room. So leave them with these three words to think about, you know, when, when they are thinking about you. Absolutely. And I think that's where controlling your personal brand is so important. And knowing your strengths um, allows you to get to sort of the core of who you are and what you bring to the plate. And um, I always find it funny, you mentioned review time, there's sort of like two schools of management. One that is the, you're weak at this, so you need to improve it. And then the others that sort of realize that recognizing your team's strengths and allowing them to work where they're strongest and enable them there um, is, is the place to be. Um, yeah, really. No, I think this is great. And, um, we're, uh, we're nearing, I think the time where, uh, where people are sort of done with their commutes and, and we'll sort of wrap up the, uh, the podcast. And I think this topic, especially, I think lends itself really well to the question that we ask all the guests that come on. Um, because it is, because mind hacking is uh, sort of very much, you know, stop this, do that. So we, we have a question that we ask everyone. I'll ask you. So what should, uh, people, stop doing, like stop right now, um, and what should they start doing? Stop letting your five-year-old self drive the freaking Ferrari. <laughs> oh, preach. <laughs> like, yes, take, exactly. Take the time to look at all these bullshit rules that have been ingrained in your subconscious and look at the way they're, they're impacting your life. Look anywhere where there's pain. If you're having relationship issues, if you're having money issues, if you're having issues at work, look at where the pain is and try to examine the root cause and, and solve for the root cause. Don't just take, you know, medication to, to cure the symptoms. Uh, take a look at the root cause and use mind hacking to help you get out of your own way. Yeah. Oh, and I'll see, and this is, I don't know, you've only answered one half of the question. I guess you've I just answered both half, but I would recommend, you've uh, recommended some great resources, but I'm going to recommend one more. And that's, um, it's so weird that it's on this podcast, but it's a book called The Conscious Parent. And Dr. Shivali Shabari, who, you know, this is very woo, <laughs> but talks about how you get yourself out of that child mindset, how all this stuff that's been ingrained in you, your child, and you do it. And it's great because that she starts out with, you know, you think you're like, you're going to learn how to, you know, mind hack your child, but really all you're doing is mind hacking yourself. So you model all the things that your child, you know, should be so that you don't just take all your garbage and junk from all your childhood and then just dump it on your kid. And that I think is just a great way to get into that mindset of like, okay, just strip out all that sort of junk and gunk and, and false, you know, reality that's been sort of put upon you by, you know, by sort of all that, that, that childhood that growing up and get out of that and then, uh, and then, and find out what's real and get in touch with yourself. So, so that's, so I'm going to put all this in the show notes. Cause I think there's a lot of really great resources you did. There's that self, you know, life values, uh, self-assessment. Um, you got the, uh, uh, the character strengths, um, assessment and also, you know, the, the growth mindset. Those are all, so those all be in the show notes for the, for the listeners who want to look that up. Yep. I'll send you a bunch of links, uh, and a bunch of, uh, books if your audiences are interested. Um, and if they want any other tips or best practices, they're welcome to, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I write articles there regularly about personal branding and mind hacking and we also have a huge uh, free resource page on yoursuccessace.com. 
Uh, excellent. And before we wrap up too, let me just check in, um, Lauren, Matt, anything else you want to, you know, uh, hit Iris with before we wrap this all up? No, it was a pleasure, pleasure to talk with you, Iris. Yeah, this is excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So Iris, so wrap that up one more time. I think you did that really quick, but just give the listeners a sense of okay, what's your website? How can they reach you on social, et cetera? How can they find out more about what you're doing? Great. Um, so as I mentioned, your success ace, Dot com. Uh, we have a resource page on there that includes a lot of uh, trainings. I recently did a training on leveraging LinkedIn for your personal brand. Um, it's all available there. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. I regularly write articles on LinkedIn regarding mind hacking and personal branding. And if you ever have any questions, you could reach out to me there. And um, Yadine, I will send you the links to the assessments that I mentioned. They're all free assessments. That Perfect. Perfect. And I'll, I'll include those in the show notes. <laughs> Great. Excellent. Well, Iris, thank you so much for joining the Tech Village podcast. Thank you. It was a blast. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Tech Village. We do hope you consider subscribing to our podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or look us up on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like this episode, please leave us a review. It helps us reach more people out there in the village. But most importantly, we want to hear from you your stories, your challenges, as well as what makes you excited about getting up in the morning. So reach out to us on Twitter at Tech Village Pod. Good luck out there and may the V community be with you.